Uh, so uh, I hope everybody's doing great out there, whether you're here in person or whether you're over at home watching us live or watching us uh, record or whatever it is. Uh, today, just to set the date, is actually November 29th, 2020. So folks, we're almost in the last month of probably the most challenging year for many, many people. And uh, that might be a way of looking at it like, oh, we're getting out of this year. Or I would suggest it's a way we can look at maybe making the most out of the rest of this year. Um, I am not a liturgical Christian. And what I mean by that is um, many of the traditional churches, particularly Catholics and Anglicans and some other denominations, follow liturgy. They follow a calendar of what's going on uh, that's been set up over you know, a couple of thousand years. And, um, but today, uh, on the liturgical calendar is actually the beginning, beginning of Advent. I don't know if you know about that. If you're uh, not a liturgical Christian, you probably know the word Advent from those delicious Advent calendars we all can buy and get one chocolate a day starting December 1st and have a chocolate all the way to you get your big chocolate on Christmas Eve. Um, that's probably where the word comes from. But the, the, the traditional churches do celebrate Advent. And Advent, for uh, lack of a better word, a lot of times um, some of the younger, so more hip Christians, some of my friends out there, uh, call this season Advent and are starting to go back to that. I'm not that way inclined because, I mean, Advent is just a fancy word of saying arrival. That's all it is, okay? It's a nice way of saying it's when Jesus arrived. It's when he came, right? And so following the last couple of sermons I've shared and knowing that I'm actually only going to share one more time in 2020. It'll be right before Christmas. So I want to get us set up maybe for how we can celebrate Christmas in 2020. And as you can see, my title this morning is Look at him and probably a lot of you have already figured out where I'm going to go with that but I want to just dig into it a little bit first of all the last couple of sermons I preached was the importance of being born again and the importance of focusing on Christ alone I think they all funnel into the Christmas message and um, the Christmas season this year uh, is going to be difficult it's going to be different for everybody and uh, some of the initialized ideas I had for this I wanted to share so I sent it out to a few trusted friends to get some feedback on some of the things I was writing about that, and one of them included my brother, and uh, we were talking back and forth, and uh, I told my brother I'd tell this story, he doesn't know this yet, so my brother said, oh, that's a good idea, I like what you said there, and you should use the song Joy to the World uh, as part of the background, because Joy to the World has that line, uh, come and behold him. Now, I need to tell you something about me and my brother. Um, uh, as good as we might be at reading and writing and so on, we are not very musically inclined, uh, in fact, the only person I know that sings worse than me is my older brother. And um, also, we don't know the music. And I did not know at the time that Mark was wrong on the song. I didn't know. So I started diving into Joy to the World and reading about it. And there's some interesting lessons here, I think, that we can learn from. And what, this is actually not the main part. This is like a preamble, and then we're going to get to the main part. So my parents probably know this. This is my in-laws, too. Who wrote Joy to the World? Does anybody know? famous hymn writer. Okay, I'll tell you. Isaac Watts. Okay, but here's the important part. Young people, I want you to hear this, and old people, you need to hear this. Isaac Watts, Joy to the World is one of the main songs that came out of, listen to this, Isaac Watts' Rebellion. I'm going to explain for a second. Isaac Watts was growing up in church, and his dad was involved in the church, and Isaac Watts thought that all the music in church was bad. Boring, stupid, old-fashioned, whatever. And he'd go to his dad and go, oh, it's so boring. Trust, songs are so boring. Church is boring. Songs are boring. So his dad says, oh, yeah, smart guy. Why don't you write some? Okay? And now what's hilarious is Isaac Watts probably having a giggle in heaven 
because my kids probably think all the songs about Isaac Watts are boring and old-fashioned and whatever. But once upon, so old people, remember, today's rebellious music will be tomorrow's boring music. <laughs> Young people, your cool, mu- your, your cool music will one day be boring and old. That's just how it goes. Okay? Um, never, and this can be part of actually the whole thing I'm going to talk about, never underestimate the power and the danger of nostalgia. Okay? I grew up in a church that I can remember very specific. Val and I grew up in the same congregation. It's just the same thing as me. I remember very specific moments and very specific, specific services all throughout the years and whatever. And I can look upon them fondly. But in the same way that if Val and I are driving and a song comes on from when we were in high school and we start going like this and our kids are like, I can tell you, I tell you the Lord does this for me. You can say the Lord doesn't arrange the universe for us, but I think he does. Yesterday, so Caleb is allowed to still practice hockey. It's a long story, but because he's an elite program, he's allowed to do solo training on the ice as long as he's not interacting with any other of his teammates. And so there were some folks doing solo training, and the parents, we have to sit in the, in the audience far apart from each other with our masks on. So we're, we're like talking to each other. And... Uh, then the kids are playing, and they play music for the kids. I don't know if you, do you even notice the music's on? He does? Okay. But then yesterday, somebody must have pressed 1995, play. And that's the year most of us were in high school. All the parents were in high school. So we were all like, me, 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 all dancing, whatever. And the kids are like, ugh. Okay? But that's because it was speaking to something in us. In the same way, we're transitioning now, that Christmas does that. Christmas speaks to something into us, whether we understand it or not. So let's talk about Isaac Watts. And he writes this song, Joy to the World. Now, I've got to tell you something about Joy to the World. You ready for this? It is not a Christmas song. It was never meant to be a Christmas song. And it wasn't until I read this, and really, in fact, it's not at all about Christmas. If you read it, it's actually about the second coming, which I didn't really, I mean, I've sung that song. I'm 42. I'm sure for 42 years I've sang that song and never realized it is about the second coming, not about the first coming, as it were. Okay, but anyway, he was very, uh, very influenced. If you could put up the verse now, um, Catherine, Psalm 98, 4. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. This is where he got a lot of his inspiration from. He's like, oh, okay. And then, does it make sense now? Joy to the world, right? The king has, you can see it now where it comes from that. It says, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and so on and so forth. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. That just means let people sing. Um, And he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove. You see, that's the second coming. He's coming back. Okay? So joy to the world, the earth, uh, the, the Lord has come. So I believe it's important that we actually enter this season. Now, listen to me a second. This season, in these difficult times and COVID and everything else and, and job loss and economies in uncertain places and geopolitical nonsense going on, I believe it's important that we enter this season with joyful expectation. Okay, now remember, it's, that can sound hard, but I might remember I've taught this many times throughout the years. Joyful, being joyful is different than being happy. It might even be crass to say, well, you should be happy right now. Because a lot of people aren't going through good times. But our joy comes from the Lord, not from happiness. It is much, much deeper than that. In fact, I was encouraged this week by a friend. Uh, Val and I have friends who have moved to the U.S. And uh, the, the, 
the, the wife of the family, Victoria, she wrote um, sort of a testimony on Facebook this week about all the changes going on, on, on in their lives. It's very, very good. You know, it's, it started deep, but she was saying, listen, no matter what's going on, I know that God is with me in the valleys, and he's with me on the mountaintops. Okay? And if you look at, let's look at Psalm again. Let's go back to the Psalms, the next verse. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right? Again, this is a very famous psalm that we kind of say. A lot of people know it off by heart and so on. But what it's saying is, like, no matter what I'm going through, listen, I will have no fear because your rod and staff will comfort me. So it's saying I won't be fearful and I'll be comforted because I know that God, my shepherd, is with me. So no matter what's going on, so you might be going through a dark time right now. Uh, this whole experience of what we've gone through this year might make you feel like, Fearful, you might feel uncomfortable, but we can know we can know fearlessness. We can know comfort when we know that God is with us. He's with us. I mean, there's tons of songs. Uh, that new Torin Wells songs. If you don't know that song, just Google Torin Wells Hills and Valleys. Great song. Sort of the same message. Okay, and Jesus knows what it's like to go through this stuff, right? Let's look at the Word of God, Isaiah 53, 50, uh, 3 and four, when it's prophesying about Jesus. Listen, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So this is a messianic prophecy. This is a prophecy saying about the Jesus that is to come. The same one we're all celebrating now at Christmas time. It's saying that he, he knows what it is to be disliked. He knows what it is to be rejected and to go through sorrow and so on. But it's possible to go through sorrow, be, be rejected even, go through grief and still know joy. Again, because joy is not happiness. Happiness is like, yay, my team won something, or yay, I got something, or whatever. That's happiness. It's momentary. It goes on. It comes and goes. We don't. You can live a life of continual joy. Okay? Let's look at the promise of Jesus. Now, this is the same Jesus who went through, despised, rejected, sorrow, acquainted with grief. He's taken all our griefs and carried our sorrows, and this is what he says in John 16, 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Thank you, Jesus, right? It's a promise. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we say, well, it's wrong for you to say people should be in a good mood or should be joyful right now with everything going on in the world. Listen, I understand. And the Bible says there's a time to mourn. There's a time to when someone passes away or someone loses someone they love. You don't just go, oh, come on, buck up, get over yourself. You don't say that. You go through that valley with them, but knowing that God is there to comfort you and to be with you. But Jesus himself said, hey, you're going to have trouble in this world. In fact, I like the word is kind of fancy, isn't it? We don't say this word too much. You will have tribulation. Sounds a little more than just trouble, right? It's a promise that things aren't going to go easy. I think part of the problem is in the West, especially, we are trying to have lives of supreme comfort. We never want to be bothered. We just want to, I just want to go to work, I just want to do my job, I just want to get home, I want to eat, I want to relax, I want to wake up. And we just want that. We don't want anything, you know, anything that rocks the boat is a problem. And even in Christian life, sometimes we begin to believe that we're blessed if we have no problems. Now, I'm going to, not position, I'm going to propose something. That actually, when you're really living in the joy of the Lord, you have more problem than you ever thought you could have before. Telling you. But not in a bad way. Because there's a lot of things happening going on when you start living for the Lord. 
Number one, you have an enemy of your soul who hates you. He hates God, he hates you, and he wants nothing to be peaceful in your life. So he'll, you know, start, start uh, moving. And then other people around you sometimes, they don't want to see that you're at peace and you're at comfort. They want to come and try to shake things up. You're going to go through tribulation. You're going to go through, uh, through this. But Jesus says, be of good cheer. Don't focus on the fact that you're going to face hard times. Be of good cheer. Okay? I have overcome the world. See, this is where the big differentiator comes. Jesus says you can have joy, not because you, not because you're going to overcome it, but because I have overcome the world. He, it's through him that we can know joy. So much of our ways today is us trying to overcome it. You know, these days as, as this Christmas is approaching and things are different this year, everybody's like, well, I'm going to make it happy. I'm going to decorate and I'm going to have all sorts of things and I'm going to make lots of cookies or I'm going to have lots of whatever. We can't have our normal dinners. We can't have our normal things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overcome it. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be so positive that I'm going to overcome all this negativity. No. That's not the way to look at it. Because you'll, as long as you're striving in your own effort, it's always going to feel like it's a, a, a bottomless bucket, a bucket you can't fill up. But when you put your hope and trust in God to overcome the world, you can have peace. All right? Now let's go back to the Psalms. And this is what I'm talking about. Look at him. Psalm 121. I believe I have it. I do. First four verses. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth. He will stop right there. Let's stop there. So again, the contextualization, okay? We look up to the mountains, these great big mountains. Where, where am I going to get help from? My help comes from God, the one who made heaven and earth. Not from any other man or any other woman or any other philosophy or any other political ideology or any other solution or any other self-help book or any other... Uh, psychology, philosophy, whatever it is, it comes from the one who made heaven and earth. So right there, you're starting from my help comes from the best possible source it can have. But I only get that help when I look at him. Now listen, next one. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Stop. Okay, well, does that mean I'll never trip? Don't be silly, right? Don't be silly. It means like, oh, I slipped on the ice. I thought that God was never going to let my foot slip. Can you allow people in the Bible to be flowery and poetic with their language sometimes? Okay? He's saying that God is watching over us. He does not slumber. As I've often said, my mother's number one thing when I was younger, when I'd ask questions that were probably too deep, and it was 1 o'clock in the morning, and mom probably didn't <laughs> She would just say, God doesn't sleep. Right? Well, how come that evil person's prospering? God doesn't sleep. Well, how come that thing I've been waiting for hasn't happened yet? God doesn't sleep. What about this? I'm scared about that, and I'm worried about that. And what about God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He won't let your foot slip. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Can we believe this morning that when we look at him, we can live in this promise? Now we're going to go through tribulation. Jesus promised it. But we can believe the promise of the psalmist here that we read from the psalms, that if we lift our eyes up to the mountains and ask, where is my help going to come from? We look at him. He's going to help us. Amen? Why? Because one, this Christmas, as it's the beginning of the Advent season, week one of Advent, by the way, is all about hope. That's what it's about. So that's what we're talking about, hope. Christ 
is Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. Okay? So again, I, I've, I've done this recently before, but I want to just remind every time I do a word like this, Redeemer, right? We don't use that word a lot except when we're using coupons, right? So we need to understand it in the spiritual sense. Yes, there's a sense. If I want to redeem a coupon, a coupon is no good unless I use it. You can have a 50% off coupon in your email or on your fridge, and it can stay there, and it will do nothing for you until you redeem it. That means until you use it, okay? You get something back for it. So redeem is the idea of getting something back. So Jesus Christ being a redeemer means he bought us back from sin and death, okay? In, in, a, in a very general sense, I'm trying to simplify it here. So let's look at Philippians 2. We're walking through the word here today. God has highly exalted him. This is Jesus, okay? He's talking about the son. And bestowed or put on him the name that is above every other name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So speaking of the second coming, he's speaking of joys to the world, and he says all the nations will prove, that's the, uh, how Isaac Watts uh, wrote it, there is a time coming that should give us rest. Yes, it's not happening now. Leaders and, and, and so on and nations are warring and fighting and disagreeing and rebelling against the ways of God. But listen, there is a day coming when the name above all names will come and set things right. And everybody, everybody that exalts themselves, that says, oh, I know, you know, uh, one of the favorite insults of atheists on the internet, if you get involved, is they say, well, uh, I don't need to believe in some sky fairy to help me with my life or something. That's how they talk about God, right? Or they talk about the flying spaghetti monster. It's all silly. But they just like, all the mockers, all the people who thought they knew what they were doing, all, all of it. Now, I'm not saying this like, ah, good, get rid of them. I'm just saying it's all going to be taken care of, so I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to fight with them on the internet. I don't need to get involved in the arguments because it's all coming. One day, every knee will bow. Every demon, every angel, every human, every creature will bow. Everything that's on earth and under the earth and every tongue will say, yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, what you can do this Advent season, this Christmas season, you can do it now instead of waiting. Look at him. Keep your eyes on him and stop getting distracted by all the other things going on around you. The devil's number one trick for temptation is not obvious, it's distraction. Normally, with this time of year, we get distracted by what? The materialism, by the family dinners, and by the parties, and the Christmas parties, and the whatever. And this year, it's, a lot of that has been stripped away, and people are left going, well, what do I do now? I think it's great. We're going to get there in a second. Look he is our redemption. Look at him. I had, the other night, uh, there was an accident on the bridge on the way home. It's funny how God works. And there was an accident. So Val called me and said, I can't. Val's like stuck in traffic for three hours. She said, don't come home. She said, you're just going to get three hours in the car. So I said, you know what I'll do is I'll stop at Fairview because I haven't, I maybe been to Fairview once since COVID started and I'll just meander around. And so I went into Fairview and it was a really, Fairview, by the way, for people who aren't from Montreal, excuse me, it's our local mall, okay? Uh, it's, a, it's a nice mall, but it's, uh, you know, maybe those type of malls are on the way out, but it's a nice mall. It was beautifully decorated. My goodness, they have the best, I don't know if anybody's been there this year, but this year the decorations are top notch. And so I was literally, you know, I took pictures of the tree and stuff, I was walking around, and then I just noticed, because there's so few people in the mall, 
I could hear the music, which normally you don't really hear. And there's a lot of Christmas carols, probably joy to the world and other things like that. And I, our, our, our malls and our cars are filled with worship, you know? And uh, it made me think. And then I remembered one song now, and actually going back to the story I told you about my brother. The song my brother meant when he said, oh, you should talk about the song. Uh, when it says, come and behold, behold him, born the king of angels, is actually, oh, come, all ye faithful. Okay, that's what he was talking about. And, uh, and it's really uh, on point, I think, for what I'm talking about today. Now, it says, oh, come, all ye faithful, actually originally written in Latin, okay? And um, no one really knows who wrote it. No one really knows whatever. But the English translation, in Old English, as you can see there, is, oh, come, all ye faithful. And of course, that's sort of old English. I think today it would be, come on, all you Christians, or come on, all you believers, is what it means. Okay, so this song really is for people who believe. And uh, so it says, come on, all you faithful. Come on, all you, uh, oh, come, all you faithful. Again, joyful and triumphant. Repeating now back to what Isaac Watts was talking about, all the way from Psalm, uh, excuse me, 98.4, was it? My memory is leaving me. Yeah, 98.4. Let's go back there. You don't have to, Catherine, but it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and praise him. And this author, again, whoever this was, joyful and triumphant Christians. Come all ye, come all ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. And then the famous part we all know, and the part that anybody sings, because we all don't know the remember of it, is, Oh, come, let us adore him. And then it repeats and repeats and repeats, right? Uh, later on it says, Choir of, sing, O choir of angels, sing in exaltation, sing all that here in heaven's God's holy word, so on and so forth. This is a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, the last one says, Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, forevermore thy name be adored, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. I think it's important. I'm saying, hey, all you Christians, all you faithful, come on now, be joyful and triumphant. This Christmas season, this Advent season, whatever you want to call it, I think it's an important time for us to look at him so that in, we can be joyful and triumphant in the world today. Now, triumphant, okay, does not mean braggy. Okay, I've talked about this before recently. Triumphant doesn't mean, oh, well, we're going to win, and I don't care what happens to everybody else. That's not what I'm talking about by triumphant, okay? Joyful and triumphant would be people that people want to be around. You want to be somebody that people want to be around. You may say, well, it's COVID. Nobody's allowed to be around with me. Well, maybe you could do a Zoom call, okay? But I mean, people wanted to uh, talk to you. People want to be around you because they see that there's something in you that's joyful and triumphant. And I was thinking about this, and this is what I was writing to my friend. All these years growing up, especially in North America, it doesn't really happen anywhere else. But, you know, um, the Christmas wars? Remember, like, uh, you know, especially in North America, they try to say, well, there's a war on Christmas, and they don't want you to say the word Christmas anymore and all that stuff. I think it's all bogus, but it doesn't matter. Like, oh, I don't want to ever. And all these years about Christians saying, well, Christmas is all about Jesus, and Jesus is the reason for the season. That's true. And now is our year to prove it. Now we finally have a chance to prove it. Because we're not stuck with everything else. You can't see your family. You can't go to parties. You can't have big dinners. Good. Perfect. Then you can make everything about Jesus then. Look at him. Be joyful and triumphant with all these other distractions everywhere. I realize that could probably feel like a challenge this year, but 
I think we've seen from Scripture and from these songs that joyful and triumphant Christianity is our normal, ready, our normal position, our normal posture. Posture, that means the way in which we stand, the way in which we present ourselves, and the normal possibility for any Christian today. So I want to talk to some of you who are feeling sad right now and feeling whatever. Not about related to COVID. I'm talking about the loss associated with Christmas and things being different this season. Can I just suggest to us today that your sadness is linked to valid emotions? I mean, it stinks. You can't see all your family members, right? We had family that was planning to come from abroad to come visit. That would have been great, you know? You can't do things the normal way anymore. Those are valid emotions, but mostly it's tied to nostalgia and has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I was reading some things this week. Do you remember, now I'm not that old, but do you remember not too long ago, Black Friday sales only happened in America? And now all of a sudden, there's Black Friday in Canada, we don't even have a holiday. And then I was talking to a British friend of mine who's like, yeah, they do Black Friday in Britain now too. Right? It, it, the commercialization of everything spreads like a virus, excuse the expression, with everything going on, but that's what it's like. And it's taken over everything. In fact, I lived in Britain in the year 1997 to 2000, and then people didn't even really celebrate Halloween. In the 90s, but now they all do. It's just commercialization, commercialization, commercialization. And so maybe it's a great thing that we're having a lot of that taken away from us today so we can focus in on Jesus. This can be a chance to refine and sharpen our resolve to live for Jesus and Jesus alone and to make the Christmas season about Jesus and not our ideas of comfort. You know, We all have that idea of some, once in a while I'll, I'll annoy the family and I'll turn on the fireplace channel on, uh, on YouTube, on the TV or whatever, and it's, it's literally somebody else's fireplace with music playing or no The best ones are the ones with no music playing. And you just hear of the fire. And my favorite thing about it is they have fires that are, I don't know how to understand this, that are recorded in different locations. So it's like this fire was recorded in Banff. This, this fire was recorded in you know, Lake Louise. This one was done in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's just a fire. They all look the same, but they were recorded in different places. You know, and you, and you sit there, and maybe you, you pull out your couch, you put up your feet, and you want your hot cocoa or your coffee, whatever you do. And I'm not saying don't do those things. Okay, I get it. There's that idea. But that over idea that all of life should be comfortable. Or our wealth. I was thinking, Val and I were talking about this just before service with somebody else. Our ideas of wealth. I, I hate to break this to you. If you're, you know, there are people who have lost their jobs and so I'm going through a tough time right now. And we, we, we support them and pray for them. But the average North American is globally extremely wealthy. And not like a little bit wealthy. I mean extremely wealthy by comparison. Yes, by comparison, none of us can touch a Jeff Bezos or one of those guys who have you know, a bajillion dollars, okay? But the fact, if you have a dollar in, the, in your bank account that isn't owed to somebody, you're rich, okay? And these, I think what's happening right now is a lot of our idols are being torn down, and that's why we need to look at Jesus Christ. I, I say this as someone who adores my family, both my immediate family, my wife and kids, and my extended family, and I've said this before from the pulpit, so it's not new, I believe a lot of what this is teaching us is to tear down the idol of family in our life. Missing church for kids' events. 
not going to prayer meetings, not doing Bible studies, all because of all the stuff you have to do for your kids and all the stuff you have to do for your family. All that's gone now. All those excuses are gone now. And the idols have come down. And I guess the question is, who are you going to look at? What are you going to look at now? What are you going to replace that with? There's a saying, I can't remember it was, uh, Mike Tyson. You know, he just fought last night. Did he win? I don't even know. I know he, him and another guy in his 50s, two 50-year-old Xboxers, fought last night. I don't know who won. Did anybody know who won? No? Anybody here? A tie. Oh, that's nice. Okay. <laughs> okay. They all made a lot of money. I'll tell you that much. But back in the 80s, when, Mike, when I was a kid, Mike Tyson was the best boxer in the world. He was fierce and he was whatever. And uh, they were talking to Mike Tyson about uh, a fight he was going to be in. They said, oh, you know, so-and-so is planning to fight you like this. And Mike Tyson said something like, I'm paraphrasing, he said, yeah, everybody's got a plan until I punch them in the mouth. <laughs> right? You get that? He gets a smart, it's, he's right. <laughs> okay? Right? But I was thinking about this, and when this came to me, and I said, uh, especially Christians, let's be careful. Christians always want to tear down society's idols until Jesus comes for our own. Can I say that one more time? Christians always want to tear down society's idols, what we see as society's idols, until Jesus comes for ours. And then we start having problems. And I think that maybe that's what's happening right now. Pastor Romney preached this roughly three, four weeks ago in the same sort of vein. Okay? That God is saying, okay, I'm taking right a lot of things that you're used to, a lot of things, whatever. What are you going to replace it with? Who are you going to look at for your salvation? Who are you going to look at for your help? Speaking of salvation, I, I saw one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in my life. In Britain... Uh, their uh, health service is called the NHS, the National Health Service. So they have a, a Medicare system similar to ours. Uh, they would say it's better. I would say they're wrong. And, uh, but to thank the frontline workers, they made a song for them. You can go see this on YouTube. This is real. It was done in about April. They made a song for frontline workers in Britain. And it's, it sounds a bit like a Christmas song, although it was written in April because it's got bells and so on. And it's got lyrics. And in the lyrics, it literally says to the health service, you are our salvation. And there's other words in it. And I was just like, listen, I appreciate all the frontline workers. What they've done has been incredible. It's been a lot of them in my own family. Very appreciative. But they're not my salvation. <laughs> right? But humans are looking for something. You know? And then I, was I read something by somebody else who said something very astute. They said, I'm getting mocked for believing in a sky fairy, but they're putting their hopes in a government institution run by bureaucrats. I know where I'd rather put my faith. I'd rather put my faith in the maker of heaven and earth than a human institution. But somebody, you're going to put your faith somewhere. Who are you going to look to? I say, look at him. Let's look at some descriptions of God. Do you have the next one there, uh, Catherine? Jeremiah 10.6. Bible says, there is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and, you're, and great is your name in might. Now, this isn't a Christmas scripture at all, in fact. Although, I wonder if this is maybe something we should all be declaring and speaking and praying about at Christmas time. Just saying, God, no matter what's going on, there is none like you. You are great, and great is your name in might. Did I have another one? Did I put the other ones up there? I don't remember now. Can you check that? No? Okay. So I've got a couple more. 1 Samuel 2, 2 says, There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock 
like our God. First Chronicles 17.20, O Lord, there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. See, these are people who are looking at him, and they're saying, you are the maker of heaven and earth. I'll put all my trust in you. You're going to walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death. And so because of that, I'm going to make a joyful song, a joyful noise. I'm going to make a joyful song. Now, because I know that, yeah, one day you're coming back, but I'm going to do that now. So I'm encouraging you as we go into 2020 Christmas, don't permit, you know, the, 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 the temptation is to just curl up in a blanket and get through the rest of this year, and oh boy, hopefully next year things are better. Okay? I'm encouraging you, don't do that. Don't do that. Now, I'm also not telling you to go out there and do like try to live you know normal you got to be respectful of, of the laws and the rules and so on that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is in your interactions even at your home around your kids if you have kids or around your spouse if you have a spouse or wherever you are at work be someone who appears joyful and triumphant and people say well what are you happy about and just say listen i'm just happy that god, you know god came into the world to save us isn't that amazing that's it you know that's it wow you know, yeah, but what about this and what about that? Listen, I know many of you out there, you've suffered this year. Some of you have lost family members. Some of you have lost friends. Some of you have lost jobs. So I understand that. I'm not diminishing that. I'm asking you to find the joy of the Lord even when you're in the pits of despair. It can and will be done. Why? Look at him. Nothing I say. I can't convince anybody. There's nothing magical in words that does anything. It's the spirit of God speaking to you and lifting you up. The same Jesus who said in John 16, what did he say? You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen? So this Christmas, it's possible to have cheer. It's possible to be joyful. It's possible to be triumphant. So as the song says, oh, come all you faithful. I'm going to say it in our, our modern say, come on, all you Christians. Let's go. Be joyful and tri triumphant. So as you go into your celebrations this year, whatever they look like, or your interactions this year, adore him, look at him, and he will show you the way to hope and life in Jesus Christ. Amen?